Welcome to Ambitious Motherhood, the podcast for the mom who is chasing after her dreams in motherhood and business. This is your permission slip to pursue all that you were created to be and live out your calling both in and out of your home. Here's your host, Katie Fleming. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Valerie Warner. She is about inspiring women to live a life of peace and joy. She is the author of The Finishing School and owner of Valmarie Paper, where she designs prayer journals and other products inspired by her own desire to connect with God in a real way every day. Valerie was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana, and resides in a sweet, simple bungalow with her husband, Tyler, and their two daughters. Today, Val and I are talking through some common misconceptions about the way the world would have you view motherhood and the way God wants you to view motherhood through his lens. And really, we're kind of going through, and as much of it as we can in our little episode, we're going through her new book, Grumpy Mom Takes a Holiday. And I've had the blessing to read this book. It's been so, so good. And I know it's going to absolutely bless those of you that read it as well. And I would just encourage you to go pick it up from wherever you buy books and read through it because it is so, there's some moments in it where you're like, oh my gosh, that's convicting. And there's some moments where you're like laughing and cracking up and just some real stories from a mom in the trenches, just like us, getting it done, motherhood, business, friendships, all the things. And, and struggling through it as well. Like there's there's the reality of that as well. So I just love Val's heart and mission. And today we dive into a lie from each of these common areas that she talks about. Okay, we go through the emotions, dreamer, energy, friendship, and margin. What is margin? Let's talk about it. So let's get to today's episode. Hey Val, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I am so excited to dive into your new book that's coming out, Grumpy Mom Takes a Holiday. It has been such a joy reading it and just, it's very convicting and very inspired and pretty darn hilarious. Thank you so (laughs) much. I just read the little part about, it says, I'm not saying that if you eat a turkey sandwich while you're pregnant, you don't care about your kids. And I just thought it was so funny because we've all probably done that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's so funny talking about motherhood. You got to have lots of caveats to make sure, but to try to do it in a funny way, just to make sure we don't take it too seriously. Exactly. I would love to hear about your thought behind this book, how it came to be, and just kind of what your heart and desire is for it as you release it out into the world. So it it kind of like came in waves to me, like whenever I was newly pregnant, after we kind of got through just this really excited season of where our life was headed, you start telling people and you start to hear so many negative things. And I think it's all in an effort to be very real. I had talked to somebody who is maybe 10 years ahead of me and they said they had no idea that they weren't going to sleep much that first year or, you know, like however long, like that was a shock to them. So I think it's because of things like that, we kind of swing in the other direction and talk so much about it. So I think I kind of got super discouraged and pregnancy and made this very audacious goal that I was going to do motherhood differently. And I was going to talk about motherhood differently. That was only by the grace of God that he gave me that goal, because I feel like that's kind of a prideful goal to make before you even had your first day as a mom, you know, and he just gave me so much grace in trying to figure out what that actually looked like. And it took years. It wasn't until my second daughter was born that I started writing the book. And even then it was kind of a different book. I was going to write, I'd gotten 
lots of questions about how I was doing the business and motherhood with Vivi. And Vivi was just a really easy kid. So I thought I had it all figured out and kind of thought I'd write from that perspective. And then um, when my second came, she was just a lot more challenges that I felt like, no, this is a day-to-day thing that we're going to have a challenge to come either come as the world would come as a mom or come as the Lord is calling us to come. And from there, I just kind of started seeing all these different places where my mind would just completely go negative. And I'm just very susceptible to negative things. And on like personality tests, my personality is more of a melancholy personality. So I think just that made me that much more aware of very small things that were causing me grumpy. And my heart now is just to share with other moms. And even as we've started reading it with our launch team, the consensus is that they did not realize they were as grumpy as they were. And it's a hard process to discover that, but it's a really freeing process when you realize what joy God has for us in motherhood. So it's not like the easiest read, (laughs) but I'm just super, super excited for what God is going to do through these words for moms. Yeah. It's like I said, convicting, inspiring, but also like, it's funny too, but there's definitely moments where it hit me home, specifically the emotional chapter where it said, you write, I hated that I could be so spirit-filled one minute and so rage-filled the next. Yes. Holy moly. Yeah. (laughs) So what's really cool about this book is there's five different sections, those of you that are listening, and she goes through the just the misconceptions about the way the world views motherhood and then how God wants us to view motherhood through his lens. How did you arrive, Val, at those different kind of themes. Oh man, it was so interesting. And this is kind of how it happened with my first book where like, I just woke up one morning and an outline just like spilled out. And by outline, I guess I just mean chapters, like topics. And whenever I had the 20, like I had the 20 that day. And I don't really feel like it varied even like talking to the publisher. Like it it was kind of like, this is just, this is what I see out there in the world. But I definitely credit that just the Lord, the timing that he had for that. And I I know that's not always how it works. How it just spills out. Sometimes it's much more laborious. And the book was obviously, but I just feel like those 20 very much summed up so many of the things that I saw in the world that were causing me to be grumpy and and other moms too. Yeah. So as you were writing it, you're obviously in the middle of motherhood with littles. You have Vanna, who's what, two and a half now at this point? Yes. Yeah. Vivi, who's six? Because I know this because they're my my daughter's ages too. Yeah, yeah. Vivi's five and a half. And then Van is going to be three in May. So yeah. 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 So did you ever struggle with this whole, who am I to write this kind of a thought process? Yes. Okay. So I actually, I just blogged about this because I started just feeling overwhelmed with that, this thought of, I've only been a mom for five years. I only have two kids and I know there are people in much harder situations who have handled it with joy for so much longer. You kind of feel like, are they going to think I'm just whining about this? But there was a couple of reasons that I really felt like, no, like this, this is the time. We're not waiting 20 years for me to like be an expert or something like that. So there were a couple of reasons why I felt like I could write this book now. One, like I said, I'm just a naturally melancholy personality. So things that would maybe not upset somebody else, I, I did get pulled down. And the reality is like, that's not what God wants us to be experiencing. So no matter what the reason was, I needed to figure it out and I wanted to live differently. So anybody on the spectrum of like grumpy 
from just like having a few rough days in a month to just constantly feeling like every response to their kids is grumpy. Like there is something that needs to change in our mindset so that we're not experiencing that. And then I think this isn't a book about motherhood per se. Like this isn't about how to raise your kids. I can't tell you how Vivian Vayner are going to turn out in 30 years. And if what I did, you know, like impacted them, but what I can help moms with is how they are experiencing it right now. And that is really what this book is about is how are you experiencing motherhood? Not how's your motherhood? How are you doing it for your kids? But your experience going through it. Can I help that? And I really believe that what is in this book is truth straight from the word. And then obviously my examples are from my own experience, but they're truth straight from the word. And we actually did have one mom who had four kids and she was like, well, I wasn't sure if this book was going to be able to help me because I didn't become grumpy until my fourth. But she said, but this, but just what I said, like, this is God's word. It's alive and it is true for every season. And you know, we, we've heard it said, everybody, when you have kids, you feel whatever number you're at, you feel maxed out until you have that next one. So I think there's something for everybody. And the launch team girls have been so encouraging. They have tons of kids. They have husbands who are deployed. They have chronic illnesses and they're finding so much freedom in this book. So yeah. 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 And these, tw- these 20 <laughs> points, I mean, when we can kind of get them under control for ourselves, just think about the ripple effect, how much that has on our children to be able to yes. model these qualities for them. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I want to go through, I picked out one from each of these sections that I would love to just chat through as much as we can in the 45 minutes. But the first one that I think is huge is the whole topic around emotions. And the phrase that came up for me was that moms are basket cases. We have all of these huge heaps of emotion. Talk to me about how does the world view motherhood and emotions and then what is the opposite side of that? Yeah, I feel like the just what you said, the basket case, the mom yelling in Target, like the just tears streaming down our faces and like mascara everywhere or just like the hot mess mom who can fly off the handle at anything. And I think we kind of, the world just kind of sees this as like standard for moms. And I think when we see that as just, that's just standard, we kind of let ourselves play into that even more so. And I know for me, like I said, my mind can go from, I'm kind of a hot mess to like, I'm close to a mental breakdown somebody take me to the hospital because I'm, you know, like I'm getting that crazy or I feel that crazy. And I feel like we are so much more sane and rational than we think we are, but we have just been told that we're just messes. We're just, we can't respond without yelling. We can't respond without just these really big emotions. And in the book, I talk about how emotions are really good indicators of how we're feeling, but they cannot be the deciding factor of how we respond. And I even draw this picture of just like waking up steady. Like you don't know what's going to happen, but you are steady because your foundation is on the Lord. And that is not just like a cute little saying, but it's something that we truly believe and know that because he is our foundation, we can respond to things a little more steady. And it doesn't mean that we don't cry. It doesn't mean that we don't have those emotions. It just means that we're not just defaulting to this term that the world has for us. Yeah. And for me, like as I've read through this book, the problem comes when we put our identity in the thing. So if we put our identity in our emotions or if we put our identity in, you know, our sleep and having energy and whatever it is, or we put our identity in something other than who God's called us to be and in God, then that's where the problem comes. Yeah. And it it doesn't just stay this innocent little phrase like, oh, I just can't sleep or, you know, it like in the recesses of our heart, it just goes so much deeper. And yeah, 
it just spirals. Yeah. How can we, how can we begin to manage our emotions better? Oh, that's a great question. I think it really does just come back to, and and this will probably be an answer for all of them. I think realizing and identifying that these are lies from the world is the biggest, the biggest just switch that can go off on our brain. Because a lot of the things or a lot of the reasons that I feel like I get frustrated with books is feeling like I need to strive and do a lot to change that like what they're talking about is only possible if I do a lot of things. And though this book is going to be really practical, one of the biggest pieces is just identifying the lies and letting that just change so much. Once you know what those lies are, you'll start to see them. You know, your kids will say something and you'll start to see like, man, I wanted to react like that. Or I'm tense and my kids haven't even woken up, but I'm just tense at the fact that they might wake up in five minutes. And I think like, it's just this realization that once we start noticing those things, we we already know the truth. We know that God is our foundation and that He can keep us steady, but we don't realize the things that are triggering us into actions that would not live that out, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah you mentioned acknowledge the emotion without letting it determine our response. And I love that. Yeah. So this whole concept of dreamer and being a dreamer and pursuing your calling, whatever that looks like. So talk to me about that. What the world might be saying to these women about how they should pursue their callings. Yeah. And and this one is kind of interesting because it is more of a worldly take on a Christian belief. There's a quote that we can find a lot of comfort in just knowing that our place is in the home. We can take care of our kids. And, and it basically just says the greatest thing that you do may not be may not be something you do, but somebody you raise. And I think that the, the lie here that we can take is that we take that to mean that we can't have any dreams outside the home. And more so, uh, like I, I think with that one, it's about staying in our comfort zone and holding on to that phrase as a reason to not follow big dreams that are scary. Because I think God can call you to to both. Some he does call to just stay in the home. But even then, I think like it could be volunteering. It could be mentoring a young girl. There are things that God is calling us to do that we say no to in the name of God calling us to our family. And I think we have to just be very careful that when we respond, no, this is my priority, my family, that that is what God told us. And it's not a default answer. And that we're really opening up our hearts to, hey, maybe God wants me to do something scary. And the crazy part is that our four walls, as crazy as they can be, can be comforting to us more so than like going start a Bible study or, you know, doing these different things. And I think like we just have to not default to that and believe the lie that because that is true, because our kids can be our highest calling, that that means that that's the only thing. Yeah. I was thinking about that today, actually. This whole, I think about it a lot, the ambitious motherhood and who is that ambitious mom? And she doesn't just, she's not just a working stay-at-home mom kind of combo. She's not just a stay at home. Like she's not any one thing. It's more of the heart behind she's deeply concerned and stewarding her family in her home, but she's also out there pursuing her calling, whether that's through volunteering, through church, through maybe she helps with her husband's business, or maybe she has her own business. Like there's just so many different avenues that we can spill out our gifts to the world beyond just the people that we have in our home. Right. And as long as we're in tune to what God's calling us 
to, I think like we're, we're going to be doing that. We just can't let the fear stop us. Fear. Exactly. And just even excuses. Oh, my kids are this age. And like you mentioned it a lot in the book is that there's never going to be one right season for you to have it all together or to have a friend or to have finally pursue your calling or your dream or whatever. Right. We, I think we see motherhood as a a reason to put off a lot of things when, when in actuality, just honestly knowing how hard it can be, this should be a time where we are surrounding ourselves with friends and surrounding ourselves with goals and purposes. Like I know I hear a lot of moms who feel maybe just like lost in what they're doing and and then they'll go pursue something. And like, I just, I guess I feel like that brings energy to their motherhood. Like it sounds crazy. It's busier, but I feel like it brings a different energy. Like I know for me the other day, I went to the gym, went to work at the coffee shop for two hours and I came back dancing and singing. And I was so silly. The girls were like, what are you doing? But I told Tyler, I said, I have physical energy and I have mental energy because I just got to write for two hours and do what I love. And now I get to come home and like bring that same energy and spirit here. So yeah, so huge. So what can you say to the mom who might maybe is, she knows there's a calling on her heart. She, she senses it. Maybe she's been suppressing it or trying to avoid it because of whatever reason. What are those action steps she can do to begin making progress? I think that, you know, my answer is always going to be to pray first and just feel like, just pray and just say, Lord, I feel like this is where you're leading me. If this is not, give me such an unrest, not just like a nervousness, because we're always going to have a little nervousness, you know, doing what we're called to do, but just an unsettled unrest. Let somebody let me know if this is not the right thing. But if this is the right thing, give me a piece about it. Even if it doesn't work out perfectly, give me a piece about it. And I would say, just take this a really small first step. I know for me, this wasn't dream related, but I wanted to fly again. And my first step was going on Facebook and and I have really bad ears. So I'm like scared to go on an airplane that I can't say like, Hey pilot, can you take this plane down? And this is like my eardrums about to burst. So I, my first thing was going on Facebook and saying, does anybody know where I could go up in a plane with a pilot, like a private pilot so that I can test on my ears and add a friend and she was like, my dad is a pilot. He would love to take you up. He loves helping people conquer their fear of flying. And, um, you know, I could not have orchestrated that. That was one small step and it made it to where I got over that fear. And yeah, I think like, don't see it as this big thing that you need to do. Just what's the first step and look at that. And I think once you do that, you'll gain the momentum and the Lord is going to work through that. Like you're not going to be on your own doing that. Yeah, I think when we come originally like to him surrendered and seeking guidance, he gives he gives those nudges, those those little ideas, those little inspired action pieces that he's calling us to just take a step towards. Try it. That's the faith component, right? Yeah, for sure. So and I it's love gonna, that. It really is going to make us a lot, you know, just it's going to bring so much energy to our motherhood, like I already said. But I think that's if you're worried about your kids, just know that they will benefit from that too. Mm, that's so true. So speaking of energy, let's talk on that whole topic of moms are always tired. Yes. Now, this is a hard one because you know, I can't magically help moms get more sleep or anything like that. But there are so many things that are stealing our energy that we are not 
looking at. We're, we're kind of always chalking it up to, you know, like my kids haven't slept. So this is why I didn't work out, didn't read my Bible, didn't. And I'm not saying like, I hate to like start naming things, but just different things that we know would be good for us. And we just chalk it up to the no sleep thing. And in the book, yeah, we just talk about so many different places or, or so many different areas that can drain our energy mentally and not just physically that I think, yeah, like my hope as moms will find energy and not feel like that this thing that might be outside of their control, which is just literally getting more sleep, that just because this is outside of their control for a season, that they can't feel empowered and motivated to like find energy where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just wanted to pop in real quick and invite you to share this episode out on your Instagram stories. This is how we get the word out about this message of ambitious motherhood, specifically this incredible episode with Val. So screenshot your episode right now and tag us on your Instagram story, Valerie Warner and at Katie Fleming. And you mentioned a lot of things that we can control that are zapping our energy. Will you talk through a couple of those for us? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is not knowing. Well, they can all be big depending on what's going on in your world, but not knowing where you're going or, or like what your purpose is because there's nothing more draining than just changing a diaper or just doing this when we don't see our purpose in our life. And whether that's like we just talked about, like being in the home, staying there or anything that God's calling us to, when we have some sort of direction, the little things that we're doing, we can do more deliberately. I I guess that's the right word. But also like, I know for me, when me and my husband aren't in sync, if we're fighting, I just kind of tune out the girls when they're talking. I just want to go lay down and just mope about it. When we are in sync, just the energy that that gives our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that direction, that that's like an anchor, you know, and just, I think knowing our destination, knowing the reason why we're doing something, it gives us the opportunity to do our everything to the glory of God. Kind of like that verse talks about. Yeah. And unconfession too. That's a big one. The Bible talks about how it wastes away our bones. And I think that can be physical too, um, just in how it exhausts us. Or I talk about how with an infection, your body has to have energy to fight it off. And sin is like an infection to our body. And just for our body to have to like fight off this unconfessed sin, like that is draining. Not the same yawn kind of dream, but it is draining. Yeah. And disobedience is another one in there. So when you're not pursuing your calling or not doing whatever you know you should do, there's going to be constant thought back and forth, just mental energy wasted on those things. Yeah. Mm, I love it. So what is the healthy side of exhaustion look like? Yes. Actually, I got to experience this last night. I went in my little girl's rooms. It was like midnight and I just, I was tired, but I was so grateful for them. I just laid next to one of them and prayed for her and fell asleep next to her. And that was a good exhaustion. I should have gone to bed 30 minutes earlier, but there is a good exhaustion where we know that we have ran hard. I might be using that grammar wrong, but when we (laughs) have run hard after God (laughs) or what he's calling us to, like I talk about, like, I want to be exhausted when I get to heaven, knowing that I've done everything God has called me to do. And obviously, you know, I'm human. I'm going to mess up, but I I do. I want to run hard after what he's calling me to do and feel the exhaustion that can come from just using every bit of mana that he has given me for that day. Yeah, mm, that's so good. So let's drive on into the topic of friendship. And I know for a lot of moms, they might not have those deep friendships that we, I think, all are craving. So talk to me about that chapter. I think I started off talking about 
our parents, Tyler and I's parents, how like years ago, we don't think they really had any friends, like whenever we were growing up in the house, but now they have like these thriving friendships. And I think that's just very accepted in the world that like, when you have young kids, you like don't have time for friends. And I think that that I've already said it, but like now is the time when we probably need support the most. And I think like we don't go after friendships because we're expecting them to look a certain way. And I know like we've probably heard that before, but I know for me, one of the ways that I get together with my friend and have a real conversation is a Chick-fil-A on a Friday afternoon. And it's like chaos, the whole meal, but like there's 10 or 15 minutes when our kids go play in the, in the jungle gym thing. And we just get to talk and it's great. And that's what we can do. And I know that's going to expand and grow as our kids get older, but it's just not throwing in the towel completely just because we can't have the coffee shop dates or the girls weekends or different things that we maybe could have done earlier in life. Yeah. You, you write that God's design for community is not a seasonal thing. Yes. Yes. So what are those common excuses that you hear or maybe have made yourself as to why you don't have time for friends? Um, I think they could be as simple as like, or and noble as I don't want to put out my husband to like go somewhere at night. I don't want him to have to put the girls down by himself. That's a chore. That's hard, you know, or I feel like that's probably the biggest one. But also like if I have free time, I might just want to be by myself and have it quiet for five minutes. You know, I'm an introvert. So that's probably my main one. I like to think it's more noble than that. And it's more like not wanting to put my husband out. But that, that definitely can be one. I think those are two that I have said often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just this whole thought of being busy. That's one for me as well. Yeah. So what kind of a blessing? Can you have any personal stories? What kind of a blessing do we miss out on when we don't operate in community? You know, like I think it's, there's obviously the obvious ones of just like the support of a friendship that is steady, somebody that you could text and call and rely on and just laugh with. That's really important, but I have found a lot of joy in the last season of just supporting somebody else, like getting to send them a prayer and a text and know that that meant something to them. I think that's been really big. And it's crazy because those things almost seem like they mean more right now because we don't get that as much. It has to do with social media and like just having this illusion of deeper friendships than we actually have. So like just getting to be a friend has actually probably blessed me more than like friendships in general. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's good. <laughs> Being on the receiving end of that. Definitely. So what can we practically do to begin putting more of a priority on these friendships? I think multitasking them a little bit. And that is kind of a random answer, but just thinking like we recently started a prayer group. We wanted to do one with our husband and wives where we pray for our kids and we wanted it to make it really easy to commit to, really easy to come to. So my husband who loves to cook, he's cooking in the idea. I told him, I said, we're going to spend an hour and a half eating and we're going to spend 30 minutes praying. And we did it the other day. It was so fun. We're like, why haven't we been doing this forever? But it's fun because we get to connect and socialize, but we also get to be really, really intentional in prayer. And I think when you know that a friendship is meeting so many needs, your physical needs of just like needing to interact with somebody, but also the spiritual need of like, I know I want to be praying anyway. How cool that I get to pray with a friend. I just think that that can help us know that it's worth it in the beginning. Yeah. 
That's good. Cool. So let's move on into the last topic we've got for today, which is breathing room and this whole idea of margin. So talk to me about margin. How would you define that? Man, I think just specific to motherhood or just in general? Yeah, general. That'd be good. Just white space. Just having enough white space so that when life does get crazy, we have room. Life isn't bursting at the seams every unique thing that happens because we know like unique things are going to happen all the time. So I think being smart about making room for that so that it doesn't throw us off every time. Yeah. And you mentioned that practicing margin is like using a muscle. Can you explain how? Yeah, it is something that the more we do, I think the easier it becomes, but also it's something that we have to like, we, it's not like we just do it once and then like we're good. We can go through different seasons where we have to like reevaluate and prune and just kind of see things just start creeping in and creeping in and creeping in. And then we look at it again and say, okay, let's scooch everything back again. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you wrote like this, need for extracurricular activities or all the educational toys or Instagram worthy moments, these things, you know, the extracurricular activities might not come into your world if you've got an infant right now. But I definitely think back to my childhood where my parents intentionally said no to club baseball for my brother or club volleyball for me or whatever it would be that would take us out of the house way too much, specifically on Sundays, and just wasn't meshing with our overarching family goals. The world wants us to be so stinking busy, don't they? Yeah. And it's crazy because, gosh, you can even like just hearing you say that, I'm just thinking how brave of your parents to like not let people intimidate them to feel like, wait, you're not going to have her in that. Like that's going to be so good for her. She's going to learn this. She's going to learn that. You're going to have to choose. And it's not between a good and a bad thing. It's going to be between a good thing and the best thing. And I think that's why margin is so hard and why we let things in. And as moms, like I just kind of talk about how like I have been intimidated not intentionally by anybody else, but just like this feeling of, I gave the example of like school pictures. Like I didn't want to pay for pictures twice in a year because they're expensive. But on the day she went to school, when somebody asked me like, is she taking pictures? Just instantly felt guilt. Like I need to go get her an outfit or like, you know, whatever. And it's silly because that was not a priority for me, but you just kind of see everybody else doing it. And you just kind of feel like you need to add it in too. And when we picture adding it in, we picture how it's going to make us feel better and look like everybody else, but we don't picture the actual cost that is going to go with it. And I think that's why it's easy to say yes to things. It's kind of like a control issue. Like we're trying to take our kids' well-being or our our son's success in baseball into our own hands and say, well, if he wants to make the big leagues, he's got to do club baseball or whatever it is. But this is where the rest and the trust and, and the faith component comes in that if God's called you to do life a certain way, say no to these quote, good things that the world's got. God's got something better on the other side of that for your kids. Yes. And there's a scripture, I'm sure it's in the chapter, two handfuls of um, like just chaos and laboring is, or one handful is worth way more than two handfuls with chaos and laboring and everything like that. And that's like really hard for us to comprehend sometimes, but just knowing that, like you said, the control thing, that really does sum it up. Because if we trusted God that he could take care of our kids and have them on the path with one activity instead of 15, then we wouldn't, we would probably be fine with one, you know, like, we're not trying to like go sit at a dance class or a basketball class, you know, like do all these things, a basketball class, <laughs> basketball <laughs> practice for our own good. We're doing it because we want it to shape our kids in a certain way. And I like that. Yeah. Just resting with that. Yeah. So I've loved diving through these topics with you and 
like we mentioned, there's 16 other ones in the book to dive into. So, and we barely covered the surface here. So <laughs> definitely go out and get Val's book. It is so, so good. Val, tell us what's next for you and then how everybody can connect with you. Yeah, I am so excited to launch this book and it's just been, you know, years in the making. So I think for the six months after this, it's going to be a really slow time where I don't really plan much. And if anything, I'm working on a proposal for another book, but that'll be there won't be any deadlines or anything like that. It'll just be as, as, as I get inspired for it. Dang girl, you're always pumping out the content. I love it. <laughs> well, it's funny. They say, they always say that before you release your a book, you usually have your next idea and it's almost like you have senioritis. Like you've been working on it for so long. You're ready for like a fresh new project, but it's weird. Like I'm like so excited to just keep talking about this message of motherhood, but I am excited to, to share this other one too. But yeah. Do you, well, you can't share the third one, but do you find that they kind of parallel a little bit and do sequence each other? Cause your first book was finishing school. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you it, it's going to be on prayer, which is my, like, I feel like I talk about prayer in my motherhood. And it's, it's going to be, I have talked about prayer on Instagram. I've done a course on it. I've written a devotional on it, but this is going to be so different. Pretty much the same thing that happened with the motherhood book, uh, Grumpy Mom. The outline just fell out one day. We were actually at a lake house and I like, we were with friends and I like, was like, I got to go grab my computer and I'm really excited. It's going to be different, but hopefully just very, very encouraging to people in their prayer life. So I love yeah. it. Tell everybody where they can get Grumpy Mom and how we can connect with you on social. Yeah, you can get Grumpy Mom wherever books are sold and connect at Val Warner on Instagram and ValerieWarner.com for everything else. I love it. Well, we'll link everything up for you guys in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you are just joining the podcast, consider yourself a part of the Ambitious Motherhood family. Hit subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode.